Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. family, I hope you're having an awesome day today. I pray that you're blessed. I pray that you're growing in the things of God. And I pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. That's the whole purpose of the Faith for My Generation podcast, is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word and to provide a source, uh, a place of resources that will help you grow closer in your walk to God. And I pray that's the case. Uh, I pray that your turn, your hearts turn wholly toward the things of God and that you're living in the power and might of the goodness of God, of His mercy, of His love, and His kindness. Hey, I'm excited for today's episode. I should be. I'm the one that picked it. <laughs> Today, I'm talking about three Bible passages that changed my life. Three Bible passages that have changed my life. Had a snag a, a sip of water there. Three Bible passages that have changed my life. Why did I stop at three? Well, I didn't want the episode to be 17 hours long or have 22 parts. <laughs> you know, you could keep on going, but these are the top three at this point in my life that have made an, an astounding impact, a, a, an enormous impact in my life. And so maybe while I'm doing this teaching, you know, think about in your life, what are some key scriptures, promises of God that you have held on to strongly that have brought you into a place of God's goodness and God's power that have meant something to you? You know, different, different portions of the Word of God uh, provide different promises, and we're going to get into this. I, I want to get ahead of myself, so let's just start. Galatians 6, verse 7 through 9. This is the first Bible passage that has changed my life. Galatians 6, verse 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This is the first Bible passage that I want to share with you that has truly changed my life. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Let's take that first portion of this passage. Well, from Right out from the gate, I see this command from Scripture. Don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. You know, I take the Bible literal. I believe the Word of God is the inspired, infallible Word of the living God. And I take it literal. Is there image, imagery in the Bible? Is there figurative language? There's some, yeah. And where there's figurative uh, language, imagery in the Bible, it is our job as students of the Bible to rightly divide the word of truth and understand what that imagery, that figurative language literally means. But for the most part of the Bible, I take it's literal. It's, pl- it's easy to see what's literal and what's not. You know, when you, the day and age we're living in right now, at least when I'm recording this podcast, there's a lot of things going on in the earth. There, you know, with Russia and Ukraine and, and different things coming on the backside of, of lockdowns and all, all the craziness in the world. A lot of people are getting into end-time Bible prophecy, and you should. You should know what's coming. But there's some people, they get to the book of Revelation, they think the whole thing is just imagery. No. It's not. It's literal. The book of Revelation is literal. <laughs> the, the bowls, the seals, the trumpets, it's all real. All those things will happen. So I take the Bible literally. And so when I'm approaching the Bible, I see a command 
do not be deceived. Well, logically, that tells me there is an opportunity to fall into deception. And so what is the Bible? What is God warning me here to not be deceived about? That God's not mocked. God will not be made fun of. God will not be mocked. Well, about what? This law of sowing and reaping. There is a law of seed time and harvest. There's a law of sowing and reaping. And you know, some people think like they can just do whatever and their life will just be what God says He wants your life to be, but they won't obey the Word of God. And, some, and there's people, Christian people, who will blame God for the condition of their life when the, the condition of their life is nothing more than the harvest of the seeds they've sown. They will blame God for the consequences of their actions. Now, is there mercy and grace? Yes. Can God come in and redeem a situation? Absolutely. He is the God of redemption. He can change your story in a second. It's that simple. But you have to yield to them. You have to repent and change your ways because that's a law of sowing and reaping. You know, the Bible shows us that time and time again. Right now, I'm, I, I lead a, um, a Bible study for some young boys at my church, part of a program called Royal Rangers. It's a lot like Boy Scouts, but Bible-based program. And we, we're, we're working through our Bible merit of the book of Jonah. And in the book of Jonah, Jonah goes finally, he's hard-headed about it, but he goes to Nineveh. And he speaks the word of the Lord, and the Ninevites, they repent. They change. And when they have a change of heart and a change of action, God does not destroy Nineveh as he said he would. Why? Because the destruction of Nineveh was conditional. The destruction of Nineveh was because of the sin the Ninevites were committing. But when they changed, God changed his judgment to a judgment of mercy. And that's a law of sowing and reaping. But there's some people, they think they can live however they want to live, and they'll still get God's results, Bible results in their life. But they're sowing seeds. Think about it. There are some people who are deceived, and they sow seeds of lies, seeds of the world, seeds of sin, seeds of sexual immorality, seeds of deception, seeds of greed, seeds of murder, seeds of hate, seeds of anger, and then they expect to get a harvest of love, of joy, of peace, of fulfillment, of righteousness. That would be no different than me going out here in my backyard. I've got some onions planted. They, they sprouted up in my kitchen, and instead of throwing out these onions that had the green sprouts, I just planted them. But what kind of harvest do I expect to get from those uh, onions? More onions because I planted an onion. You would think I was clinically insane if I got raging mad here in about two months when I go harvest those onions and I pull out onions and I start freaking out and, and, and get fighting mad and someone says, what's wrong, AJ? I wanted watermelons. What do you mean? I wanted watermelons. I didn't want more onions. Yeah, but you planted onions. So what? <laughs> so what? I wanted watermelons. Yeah, well, you didn't plant watermelons. But there's some people who think they can plant whatever seed that they want to plant and get a harvest different than the seed. But that would actually be a mockery to the law of God. God has placed in the earth a law of seed time and harvest, a law of sowing and reaping. And you can't allow, you cannot afford to be deceived concerning this truth. What you sow to 
is the harvest you're going to reap. Now, we don't use that word a whole lot, but I've already alluded to it. This word sow, S-O-W, you know, the English language is funny, isn't it? Because I can say sow, and some people might think sew a button on a shirt, S-E-W. Sounds exactly the same. But this is S-O-W. And that means to plant a seed. Farmers sow seeds. And the Bible is talking about a t- just, just like a farmer plants seed in the ground and expects a corresponding harvest based on the seed, you and I are planting seeds every day. We plant seeds with the words we speak. We plant seeds with our obedience to the Word of God, with our actions. We plant seed by what we're listening to, what we're thinking about, what, uh, the people we're hanging around. What we read, what we watch, those are all seeds. And if we allow those seeds to be planted in our heart, in our mind, give it enough time, it's going to produce a harvest. And God is saying, don't be deceived. No one's going to make a mockery of me. No one's going to make fun of me and make this assumption that you can sow any kind of seed you want and get any kind of harvest you want. The seed that you sow is the harvest you'll get. In fact, the Spirit of the Lord through Malachi, he speaks to Israel because there's, there's some people in this time of Israel when they're, the remnant is rebuilding Israel. They're rebuilding Jerusalem after Babylonian captivity, after they've been destroyed because of their sin. Malachi, by the Spirit of the Lord, says this in Malachi 3.13, Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You know what? All right, pause. Don't ever ask a question that you know the answer to. Don't ever ask God a question that you know the answer to and assume he's not going to read your mail. (laughs) Lord, what have we said? Yeah, you know what he said. You know what you said. And as if God doesn't, is not going to tell you what you said and bring you out on the carpet. All right, anyway, push play. Verse 14, you have said it is useful to serve God. It is, excuse me, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up, they even tempt God and go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name. There's some people here in this day of rebuilding of Israel, and there's some people running around saying, you know what, it doesn't pay to serve God. In fact, those that are prideful, those that do whatever they want, they're the real blessed ones. It doesn't pay to serve God. You can serve God all you want and it don't matter. That's what they're telling people. And God is speaking through the prophet Malachi saying, I have written out a book of remembrance. I've written down what I've heard people say, and the righteous will be repaid with righteousness. The wicked will be repaid with wickedness. And the only reason there is ever a time delay is for mercy's sake. The only reason there is a time delay In seed time and harvest, I shouldn't say only. One of the reasons there's a time delay in in seed time and harvest is because if we sow the wrong seed, God's giving us mercy to root that thing up, get it out of our life before it produces a harvest we don't want. The mercy of God allows us to pluck up seeds that we planted, wrong seeds we've planted, so that we don't receive a bad harvest. And you have to, you know, look at your heart. And the, the Bible says, and it's in, uh, <clears throat> I believe it's 1 Corinthians. It's one of the Corinthian letters. It says that you are God's garden. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 2. You are God's garden. You and I are a garden, and we're sowing seeds every day. It's not I decide to sow seeds. You're sowing seeds whether you decide to or not by what you think about by what you say, by what you do. And there's a harvest coming. Make it a good one. Make it a good one. See, the Bible tells us here in Genesis chapter 1, if we go all the way to to the beginning of this book, Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, 
it gives us a principle here concerning seed time and harvest, concerning the law of sowing and reaping. Genesis 1.11 Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed, according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Seeds produce after their own kind. In other words, if you sow a, a, you know, an apple seed, expect apples. You don't sow an apple seed wanting oranges, right? If you want love in your life, sow love. If you want friendship, be friendly. If you want answered prayer, pray. <laughs> pretty, pretty logical, isn't it? But I know some Christians, they'll say, you know, I'm just believing God for this. Well, have you asked him? Well, no, but he knows. Well, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. If you don't go to God, the very act of going to God in prayer shows that you believe that God is a prayer-answering God. Why would I pray to God if I don't believe He'll answer the prayer? Now, some people do that, and so they're going to God in doubt. They have a seed of doubt, and the harvest they reap is nothing because doubt's an empty seed. Well, actually, they reap a harvest of heartache. They reap a harvest uh, uh, of confusion and frustration because they go to God in doubt and receive nothing. But, you know, there's some people that believe that. They, 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 they think that God's just going to do in their life whatever God wants. But God has a will, and He's given you a bag of seed it's called the Bible. And it's up to you to sow that seed. It's up to you to plant that seed in the garden of your life. God has given you a bag of seed, a big old bag of seed. Seeds of love, seeds of faith, seeds of prosperity, seeds of peace, seeds of strong marriages, seeds of godly children. A lot of y'all that are listening, you haven't even went to this point yet of marriage or children. I understand that. I look at the analytics all the time, and, and it's so surprising to me. But many of you, I mean like 80% of you, are younger than me. That's awesome. I thank God for you. So maybe you're at this point in your life, you're single, you're in high school, you're in college, you're single, maybe you're dating. How are you going to find the right spouse? Look, the Bible tells us to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. First rule of thumb when you're dating someone, do they believe in Jesus? And are they on fire with God? Are they on fire for the things of God? That decision to date people, or date a person rather is what I should say. I don't encourage dating multiple people at one time. <laughs> the end goal, the end goal of dating is marriage. That's the purpose of dating. And if you're dating someone and they don't believe in Jesus... Relationship is over because you're sowing a harvest of heartache. If you continue to date someone who does not believe in Jesus or they, you know, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but they have no fruit of a strong relationship with Christ, it is not your job to, you know, uh, as as. Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth, Miracle Word Ministries says, I heard him say, it is not your job to French kiss them into the kingdom. <laughs> there is no such thing as evangelistic dating. You are sowing seeds. You're sowing time and energy into someone who is not going the same direction you're going. You pray for them? Can you witness to them? Yes. Can you be friends to them? Yes. Should you commit your heart to them? Absolutely not. Do you want to see them saved? Yes. Is you dating them or even in the future marrying them going to change them? No. 
People change when they decide to change. People change when they decide to change the seed they're sowing. I kind of got off on a rabbit path here. But you need to hear this. Your heart, your relationships, your life is too valuable to be sowing seed that is against the Word of God. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Love them, pray for them, witness to them, be friends to them, be kind to them, invite them to church, You know, invite them to the youth group, invite them to Bible studies, speak the Word to them, love them, but don't be caught up with them in dating or in leading into marriage. Because even though you're single right now, you need to sow seeds of a godly marriage. Now, how are you going to sow seeds of a godly marriage as you're single? Become a strong man of God. Become a strong woman of God. Yield yourself wholly to the things of God. Build your faith up. Build your life up. Just continue to sow the seeds of word of, of the Word of God, making you a strong man of God, a strong woman of God, so that when you come across the man or woman that God has set apart for you, and you for him, you for her, you'll be ready. Sow seeds of truth. And this is the first Bible passage that has changed my life because it's just that simple. There is a law of seed time and harvest, and every seed produces after its own kind. And verse 8 shows us, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. So depending upon the seed I sow... I'll get a harvest, good or bad. If the harvest, if my life is jacked up, I'm sowing seeds that are jacking up my life. (laughs) Just plain and simple. If you're not happy with today, it's because the seeds you sown yesterday were bad seed. Now look, that shouldn't make you sad because the reality is you're responsible for your harvest. That shouldn't make you sad. You may have a tendency to say, oh, man, I'm responsible for my harvest. No, that's good news because that means you don't need permission from anyone to change your life. How awesome is that? You don't have to have permission from anyone. You don't have to take a poll. You don't have to get a vote. You don't have to see what the majority of people say. You don't have to put a poll up on your Instagram story and wait 24 hours and see what the results were. You can just change your life. You can just choose to be obedient. You can just choose to yield to the things of God. How awesome is that? You don't have to wait on a, you know, a new president, a new governor. You don't have to wait on, on a new social media trend. You don't have to wait for your favorite YouTuber to tell you how. You can just change your life. You don't have to wait on anyone because you're responsible for your harvest. What you sow to determines what you're going to get. If you sow things, uh, uh, if you sow lies, you're going to reap a harvest of lies. Don't, you know, don't be so foolish to assume that the harvest you're experiencing has nothing to do with what you're doing each day. Don't, don't be deceived. The Bible plainly tells us that. Don't be deceived. Because I am responsible for my harvest. You know what? That would be good. Wherever you're sitting and listening to this episode right now, just say that out loud. Say, I am responsible for my harvest. And we're the faithful. So that's good news because we are seeking God with all our hearts. We're yielding our hearts and our minds to the things of God, which means we're going to have a powerful, godly harvest full of righteousness. Now, verse 9 tells us, do not grow weary. Don't lose heart. Because you know what? There is a little bit of a time lag between the time you plant a seed and the time you get a harvest. Maybe you've planted a garden. Maybe you've planted flowers. Maybe you had a project in school where you planted a little seed or at, you know, Bible school or in children's church. You had a project or a craft where you plant some seed, and you're so excited to see the seed come up. And you're like, okay, I've been waiting for 32 minutes, and I don't see anything changing. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. 
I've planted a garden before, you know, and you walk out the next day. Wow, this is depressing. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> well, it's only been 17 hours, AJ. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer. There's some time, you know, and when you buy packets of seed on the back, it tells you, I think it's the maturity date or maturity time frame. In other words, there are certain seeds that take longer than others. You know, certain plants, watermelon plants may take a hundred days from the time you plant it to the time you're going to cut open a watermelon and sit down and eat some watermelon. But tomato plants or tomato seeds, they may be faster or longer. There are seeds and there's a harvest and there is a time delay between the time you plant a seed and the time you get a harvest. And in between the time that you plant the seed and you reap your harvest, you have to make a decision not to faint. You've got to be faithful to the process of seed time and harvest. You know, a lot of people get frustrated with this, but they'll live days, months, years sowing bad seed, reaping a bad harvest, and then thank God they change, but they expect their life to change overnight. You know, you see this, maybe you're, you know, you're just now starting out with a new career. You're in high school, you're in college, you're in your 20s, you're working. Let me tell you something. The Bible clearly tells you how to manage money. Don't get caught up in debt because there's people who will get caught up in student loan debt, credit card debt. They've got to have some nice wheels, so they're going to go out and get a monthly payment. Let me tell you something. Getting caught up in debt is real easy to do. And you what you do it for you know, you live without a budget, as the Bible tells us to. You you just buy whatever your little BDIC. <laughs> you make no plans. You don't discipline yourself. In a few months, a few years of sowing that kind of seed, you're gonna look up and say, Oh my gosh, I'm in so much debt. I have no peace when it concerns my finances. I'm just working to pay bills, and this is frustrating. Well, you can change. You can begin to obey God's words, which t- tell us how to tithe and give, tells us how to save and invest, tells us to pay off debt and owe no one anything but to love them, tells us how to buy cash-flowing properties and investments. The Bible talks about these things, how to run a good business. But it's going to take some time. If it took you four and a half years to get in $82,000 of student loan debt, it may take you two years of real hard work of just hustling and making money and paying that debt off. It may take you six good months of obeying the Word of God to get your finances right. You've got to be faithful. You've got to choose to not grow weary. You've got to make a point that I'm going to sow some seed and I refuse to quit until I see my harvest. You know, in the area of your of your mind, your thought life, if you for 10 years, you sowed seeds before Christ, you sow seeds of pornography and you got hooked, you got you got caught up and deceived in pornography. It's going to take you a little bit of time to get your mind cleaned out. Can God do a miracle? Yes. Will he do a miracle? I believe he's doing it right now. But you, you're going to understand that the t- Satan, he knows the temptations that easily beset us or easily make us stumble. There's some th- I, I talked about this on the podcast before. There's some weights and some sins that make you easily stumble. And you have to flee from those things, man. You've got to run from those temptations. You've got to be strong in the power of God and the power of His might. Be strong in His Word. But look, you're going to have to renew your mind, the Bible tells us. That's something that's required of you. God's not going to come in and just renew your mind. He will empower you to overcome every temptation that comes your way. The Bible plainly tells us that. He will empower you to overcome every single temptation. But you're going to have to yield to His truth. You're going to have to sow some seeds of His truth. You're going to have to choose not to watch things that are going to bring your heart and your mind to a place of sin. And that's going to take a little bit of time. That's going to take daily decisions to walk in the truth of God. 
Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Keep doing good because in due season, you're going to get a harvest. First Bible passage that's changed my life. Number two, second Bible passage that has changed my life. Psalms 90, verse 12. Psalms 90, verse 12. This is the second Bible passage that has changed my life. Psalms 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This entire psalm is a prayer of Moses. And he's praying. He's in the wilderness leading the children of Israel around in circles in the wilderness because of their ungodly decision to doubt God. They come up to the promised land. It's so sad. It's such a sad story. They come to the promised land. They send out 12 spies. If you've never read this story, read it. Numbers 13 and 14. Moses sends out 12 spies. Ten of them come back with an evil report. Joshua and Caleb, men of faith, come back with a godly report. All 12 spies had the same report concerning the land. It's good. It's full of milk and honey, just like God says. They all had the same report that it's filled with giants and that there's big walls. But here's where the evil report comes in. The 10 spies with the evil report say, we can't take the land The giants are too strong. The walls are too big. But Joshua and Caleb, they have a godly report, which is God said we could, so let's go do it. Well, unfortunately, the nation of Israel is swayed by the evil report. They choose to believe. They sowed seeds of doubt, and they reaped a harvest of doubt, which meant that they received judgment from God, and God said, you're going to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years until all of these evil people that refuse to believe in me are judged and they die in the wilderness because they spoke against God and said God couldn't do what he said he could do. They chose to believe what their eyes saw, not what God said. And so Moses is praying this prayer, and we get to verse 12, and it says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know what? I'm a young man. I'm 32. I've got a lot of life left in front of me. Most of y'all are younger than me. You've got a lot of life left in front of you. Some of y'all are older than me that are listening. Guess what? You've got a lot of life left in front of you. But regardless of how long you live, there's an expiration date on life. Whether it's by way of the grave and you live what I believe is God's desire for you, a long life, a long life. Or Christ comes and raptures the church. Either way, there's an expiration date on, this, on the life you're living right now. Wow, AJ, that's so encouraging. <laughs> no one wants to think about the end of things, but things come to an end. And my life on this earth will come to an end at one point, at some point, whether by way of the grave, after I live a long life, or Christ comes back and raptures his church and brings all this up to a close, as we can see in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, end time prophecy. Either way, we don't live on this earth forever. And the prayer of Moses is, teach us to know that there is an end in sight so that we can have a heart full of wisdom. When you live life with the end in sight, you'll live differently. When you know there's only 24 hours in a day, you only have so much time to sleep, so much time to work, so much time to be with your family or have fun or so much time to be at school, so much time to you know, practice an instrument or, or, or sport. You only have so much time to do an activity. It change, when you're aware of that, it changes how you manage your time. But if you think, if you never consider 
if you never consider the end, that there is coming an end, that there is a certain amount of time you get to do what you're going to do. Think about it. If you're in high school, you have four years to get high, well, you know, maybe if you decide to stick around five or six years. Do they still fail kids anymore? I don't think they do. But back in the day, back in my day, in Alt 07, I graduated high school in 2008. Some of y'all were like four or five years old at that point. But you have a certain amount of time to do high school activities. Let's be honest. If I'm 32 and I go back to my high school and say, hey, I'd just love to be a freshman again. Is that cool? They're going to say, nope. (laughs) You have a certain amount of time to do certain things. You have certain seasons in your life. You have certain seasons in your life that you can take action on God's Word. And, and, And you need to understand it doesn't. It shouldn't make you sad. It should make you full of joy, full of purpose. It should make you happy. It should make you value every day that you live. God's given you a day. He's given you a month. He's given you a year. He's given you, given you a season of life to do the work he set before you. Now do it with fierceness. Do it with passion. Do it with purpose. I understand right now, you know, there's a certain time. Right now, I'm a husband and I'm a father. And my daughter, she's 18 months old. She's no longer a baby. She's a toddler. I had a certain amount of time to do baby things with her. To cuddle her like a baby. To to let her, you know, when she was a couple months old, she just fell asleep anywhere and everywhere. She just got tired and she just conked out. Didn't matter. TV's on. We're out shopping. Doesn't matter. And I just got to hold her and cuddle her. Guess what? She's 18 months old. And if she's awake, she's running. Those days are over. There's a certain amount of time that you have to do certain things. If God tells you to do something, don't wait. Number your days so that you can apply your heart to wisdom so that you can direct your days with wisdom. Don't wait for tomorrow. What if there isn't a tomorrow? If God's told you to speak to someone, to witness to someone, do it now. They may not be here tomorrow. And I'm not trying to scare anyone. It's just the truth that, you know, I remember years ago, there was a young girl I went to high school with, uh, thank God, just one day, one Sunday she woke up, she decided to come to church. She came to church, where I go to church, and she sat through service. She accepted Christ. She believed on Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And then just like three days later, she gets hit on the interstate and instantly dies. Again, I'm not trying to scare you, but this is the reality of life. There's an expiration date. Thank God she came and made Jesus Lord of her life. That changed her entire eternity. You cannot afford to live today like tomorrow's always coming. You have a certain amount of time. Think about it right now as I'm recording this this uh, this podcast with Russia and Ukraine, everything going on in the news. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you've not. Everyone on TikTok, Instagram, they're you know, making reels and videos about how they could end the war, what we need to do. <laughs> They've all become uh, geopolitical experts overnight. But I was thinking about this. The time, there was a time for missionaries to freely go in Ukraine and Russia. But right now, uh, you ain't getting in. The time for that has passed. The people that are there are there. The gospel seed that's been sown, I think about the mighty missionary evangelist T.L. Osborne. I was just looking at him, I mean, just a few years ago. Oh, well, about 10 years ago at this point, uh, when he was still alive, he was going all through Eastern Europe and in Ukraine preaching the gospel. There was a season. There was a time appointed to sow the gospel. And he applied his heart to wisdom, and he went and did those things. See, Jesus tells us in John 9, 4, even Jesus knew this. Notice this, John chapter 9, verse 4. John 9, verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night's coming when no one can work. 
there is a certain amount of time you can work. If it's daytime, get to work because the night's coming and there's no more time to work. Even Jesus understood this. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus had a certain amount of time to teach and preach the gospel because he knew his end. In fact, the book of Isaiah says that he set his face like flint. He refused to turn away from his mission which was to become a sin sacrifice for the sins of the world, to die on the cross, to to fill the grave, your grave, my grave, so that three days later he could be resurrected in power and might and bring life to those who believe on him. He had a certain amount of time to do what he was required to do. Luke 12, 40, Jesus says this, Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You've got to live ready. You've got to apply your heart to wisdom, knowing that, yeah, you're young. You're young, but you're not going to live forever. And don't wait, well, I'll do something when I'm 20. I'll do something when I'm 30. I know God's called me to do this or that. I'll start working on that in 5 years, 10 years, 20 years. Look, you're at a place in your life, this is just basic humanity, human nature. We think we're going to live forever. And if you live your life as if you're going to live forever in this life, then you won't get busy. You won't get to work. But you and I are required by Scripture, Ephesians five sixteen. We are to redeem the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You you and I are required to redeem the time. You know, maybe you've not always lived for Jesus. Obviously, we've all been born into sin. At some point in time, we make Jesus our Lord. Maybe you spent 10, 15, 20, 30 years not living for Christ. But now you are. So get to work doing what he says to do. Get to work to soul winning and being a servant in your church. Get to work and redeem the time. If you live 20 years for Satan, do double work now for Christ to redeem the time. Because for us to live like we don't have the power to redeem the time is to be unwise. We have to set our hearts and our minds on the wisdom of God. Now, you know, the Bible shows us how to live. When we live according to God's word, we're applying our hearts to wisdom. Proverbs 4, 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget it, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom in all you're getting. Get understanding. Seek the face of God in prayer. Know him through his word. And then apply that wisdom to your heart, to your life, and everything you do. Last, last Bible passage that's changed my life. Three Bible passages that have changed my life. Number three, Proverbs 15.33. This is a fun one because it's actually the phrase that I'm going to point out is actually in two p- passages of Scripture. The first one is Proverbs 15.33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before, honor is humility. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before, honor is humility. You know, it's it's very simple. I mean, just point blank. Before, honor is humility. If you want to receive honor, if you want to rise up in ranks, if you want to be promoted on the job, if you want to be promoted or be successful in schools, rather, rather what I should say, if you want to, you, if you want to be honored among people, if you want to win, you're going to have to be humble. You're going to have to have a spirit of humility. You, you, you don't just show up and become, you know, if you will, well-known, well-renowned. I mean, think about the world we live in. It's kind of funny, but, you know, you don't become, you don't have a million subscribers on YouTube. Uh, just by making one video and say, all right, guys, this is the coolest, greatest video ever. You need to go watch it and, you know, wait for your million subscribers to come in. Before honor is humility. And then the nature of humility is to serve. If you're humble, you'll have the heart of a servant. You will have a heart to serve people, to serve God. 
And, and it's at the point that we realize or at the point that we think, you know, we don't have to serve other people or that we have arrived at that point. That's called pride. And as the Bible tells us, uh, pride's going to come before, before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. If you want to fall, if you want to be destroyed, if you want to trip up and stumble, get prideful. But if you want honor, if you want to win, if you want to be successful, be humble. You know, the Bible actually says in James chapter 4, let me turn there and read that. It just came to my mind. James chapter 4. Let me find it here. James 4 verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Notice that. God is actively warring against the prideful, but he gives grace to the humble. He empowers those that are humble. So if you want to be elevated, exalted, let God do it. First rule, let God do it. Let God exalt you. There's a proverb, I can't remember which one it is, but it talks about if you show up to you know a really nice dinner or a big party, don't go immediately sit at the head of the table. Sit you know, a little bit further back so that when the host of the party sees you, he's like, hey, what are you doing sitting over here? Come sit up here with me. But you know, there's some people with attitudes like that. They walk in the room, they, ass- they expect everyone to just be, hey guys, all eyes on me. But actually, that personality, a prideful personality, actually pushes people away. If you want to be successful, if you want to be elevated and exalted and be successful, which you should, you should want to be successful in everything you do, you're going to have to do it with a spirit of humility. You're going to have to humble yourself. You know, you can't, you can't be on the job uh, working somewhere and say, well, I'm not going to do that task. It's beneath me. Well, you're not going to be the one that's promoted. The people who get promoted on the job, whether you're working, you know, at Chick-fil-A, fast food, or you're just starting out in work or something, if you want to be promoted at your job, you do, you do it all. Well, they don't, they don't pay you to do that. Yeah, but I've, I mean, I've done my work. I'm kind of in a down point. I'll go sweep the floor over here. Yeah, but they don't pay you to sweep. That's fine. I'm just here to work. Let me tell you something. Supervisors, managers, they're going to see that. They're going to promote you. They're looking for people who are humble, who will just show up to serve. And I wrote down five different examples of of this principle that humility comes before honor. Humility comes before honor. The way to honor is through the path of humility. And here's five examples that I wrote down. Joseph. Think about Joseph. Should he have shared his dream with his brothers? Probably not, but he did. They get jealous. They sell him into slavery. You know, you think you got it bad when your brother or sister uh, or your family is mean to you. At least they haven't sold you into slavery. Unless they have, and you're listening to this podcast from a jail cell, I'm praying for you. But I'm going to make the assumption that your family, though they may not treat you right sometimes, they haven't sold you into slavery. They did this with Joseph. Joseph finds himself as a slave in the house of Potiphar the Egyptian. He's a slave, but within his heart, he knows that he is meant for more than just being a slave. But he didn't just run up to Potiphar and say, hey, look, I had this dream, and I'm no longer going to be your slave. What did Joseph do? He just started working. He, He was in the place of a slave, and he just started being faithful where he was. He worked hard. He obviously worked hard and gained the trust of Potiphar because the next time we read, Joseph is now in charge of the entire household. Everything Potiphar owns, he's entrusted it to Joseph. If you're going to be a slave, be the head slave. (laughs) But that only happens through a spirit of humility, a spirit of service. Okay, Potiphar's wife lies on him. He gets thrown in jail. And in a matter of time, Joseph is running the jail. He's still a prisoner, but he's running the entire jail. Joseph just was a faithful servant wherever he was. 
He gets elevated uh, to that he goes before the Pharaoh. He gives godly wisdom based on an interpretation of a dream by the Spirit of God. He becomes the second man in charge. Pharaoh entrusts the entire nation of, of Egypt to Joseph because Joseph is a faithful servant. He's humble. He serves, and he received honor. Gideon. Gideon didn't think much of himself. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and Gideon's like, hey, I'm, I'm of the smallest. I'm a small man in the smallest family in the smallest tribe of Israel. I'm a nobody. And God said, I see you as a mighty warrior. You know, if you will honestly evaluate yourself, I'm not saying think less of yourself. That's not humility. But if you will refuse to puff yourself up in pride, but be humble and understand you don't know it all, you haven't learned everything, there are some things you can learn. If In my case, there's lots of things I can learn. There's people you can receive instruction from. You should listen to other people. You should listen to a wise counsel and good wisdom. You should be easy to work with. You should be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. If you'll have that spirit of humility about you, you will become what God says you are. You will be brought to a place of honor. Daniel, think about Daniel in the Bible. Here's Daniel. He's, he's a captive. Babylon defeats his nation. He's a prisoner of war. But he ends up being a head official in the kingdom of Babylon and then Persia. He serves under four kings in two kingdoms. As a high-level official, and he did it through humility. He had a spirit to serve. He humbled himself to the things of God. He refused to bow to culture. He refused to eat the food that was sacrificed to idols. He refused to defile himself. He was humble. He was obedient to God. He was a servant. He served God, and he served those that were over him. Even though they weren't godly, he was still honorable. You talk, Look at the way that Daniel speaks to Nebuchadnezzar. He speaks with kindness. He speaks with humility. And it brought him to a place of honor. Hananiah. Now, this is one's a little obscure, but it, it's in Nehemiah 7.2. The brother of Nehemiah. In fact, I want to read this one. <clears throat> I want to read this particular verse. The others, obviously, you know, you can read through... Uh, Read through their lives in different books. Joseph in Genesis, Gideon's in Judges six, Daniel. He's you know he wrote the book, named it after himself in the book of Daniel. But in the book of Nehemiah, the great wall builder, who's helping to rebuild Jerusalem after captivity, it says in Nehemiah seven two. Look at this. This is good. And then I gave charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah. And Hananiah was the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. He had a spirit of humility. He was faithful. He served Nehemiah. He served the God of Israel. He served the people of Jerusalem. He was faithful. And that brought him honor. He didn't just wait for someone to show him like, hey, I'm going to make you in charge of Jerusalem. I'm going to make you the leader of the city. You don't just sit in your recliner or sit playing, you know, in your room playing Xbox, doing nothing, and then someone just knocks on the door and is like, hey, I want to promote you to great levels of honor. No, you're going to have to get to work. You're going to have to humble yourself and do work that you may even think is beneath you or less than or you shouldn't do. Get to work. Have the spirit of humility about yourself. Notice this, and this is the last example. Jesus. Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is where I want to end on this passage. Honor. Before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. Or you can say it this way. Humility comes before honor. Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus 
who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven, earth, and under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself and was obedient to the things of the Father. And because he humbled himself, God exalted him. You want God to resist you? Be prideful. You want God to give you grace and exalt you? Be humble. Keep that in your mind. Humility comes before honor. Have you ever heard someone say, you know what? You've got to earn respect. It's the same principle, right? You don't just walk into a room, walk into, onto a football team or sports team. You don't walk onto a new job. You don't show up around a new group of people, and they just instantly respect you. They don't just like, okay, I'll listen to anything you say. You've got to earn that through trust. And how do you earn that through trust? By having a spirit of humility, by serving people, by being honorable in what you say, you know what? When people realize that you say when you say something, you'll actually do it, your words will carry value and carry weight. You know what? I don't know about other people, but if, you know, if he says he'll do it, I know he'll do it. No, if she says she'll be there, she'll be there. To the point to where like, hey, I'll be there at such and such time and if you're late, people are like, "Oh gosh, something must have happened because if she says she's going to be there at that time, she's there." That People knowing you in that way only comes from you being humble, from being faithful, from being faithful in what you say and what you do. Before honor is humility. If you'll humble yourself, if you'll be obedient, if you'll be faithful, honor's coming. Honor's on the way. Promotion is on the way. The Bible tells us that. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It doesn't come from man. It comes from God. Well, I don't think my boss respects me. I don't think I'm being treated right. Maybe you're not. Keep being humble. Keep serving. Keep being faithful. Because at the end of the day, you're not working for man. You're working for God. At the end of the day, God keeps a book of remembrance. Remember what we talked about in the first point? sowing and reaping, God keeps a book of remembrance. And if he sees you continually being faithful, having a spirit of humility like Christ, he's going to exalt you. Have faith in God. Hey, I'm so thankful that you joined me for this episode. I hope you enjoyed these three different Bible passages that truly have changed my life and made an impact on my life. Hey, come find me on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Send me a direct message. What's a Bible passage that you love, a Bible passage that has changed your life? What's a Bible passage that you're committing to memory because it means so much to you? These are three that have changed my life. What's, what's a part of the Word of God that's changed your life? Let me know. Send me a message. I'd love to know. I'd love to hear it. And of course, hey, stay tuned. We've got another wake-up call coming every Monday. You get your wake-up call, and every Thursday you get a teaching episode, and I've got already two more interviews that I'm so excited about. I'm going to release another one in April and then one in May. You're not going to want to miss those, so make sure that you're subscribed to Faith for My Generation podcast channel. And if you would please, on Apple or I believe on Stitch or other platforms, you can do it as well, leave me a five-star review if you're enjoying what you're hearing. That helps me get further up visible-wise, so that more people can hear the teaching of God. And that's the purpose of the Faith for My Generation podcast, is to see a generation changed by the power of God's Word. And God's Word will do just that. Help me reach more people. I would be so thankful if you could help me do that. Hey, and until next time, remember, we are the faithful. 
Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.